0: Hi, it's Wednesday night, and um, uh, someone, a, a knight in shining armor, has stepped forward to rescue the uh, podcast, the uh, parsha. That, of course, is Sir Abe Gluck from Gluck Plumbing. Uh, Baruch Hashem is always, uh, always reliable. Let's put it this way: always, always there. And thank him very much. And let's, then, further ado, look at Parsha's Kisub, especially. Your tochacha part, that's the interesting uh, part of the parsha And uh, it's the tocha, of course, is Moshe Rabbeinu talking before he dies. So um, he's kind of like predicting the future. If you do this, this will happen. If you do that, that will happen. As we know, you know, but otherwise, which has to do with economics. So first he talks about the fact that that you'll suffer economically, the sky will close on you. In other words, the notion that there won't be rain and crops and all that is 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 lit- can be literally true in Eretz Yisrael. But in addition to that, uh, in addition to that, it also you know of course means the economy, and uh, that's something very interesting. So uh, obviously, all the mafarshim, by definition, have no choice but to go one of two routes. Either you simply uh, Zogibber the Chazals who, uh, you know, lived long ago and you sort of, you know, go there, Mahalik, and amplify them. That's what Rashi does. Alternatively, you try to explain it in a more original way and then you do so, you cannot help but do so based on your own historical experience. When you talk about the Tochacha, and you see, you know, the the great things that Jews in Panama fall apart, and cannibalism, all the rest. I mean, we immediately have to think of of the episodes in Jewish history when this happened. And not only that, but the kind of sins which would generate this sort of thing. So in every generation, they perceive their own avarice. I mean, uh, in the time of the Ramban, it wasn't a problem with TV. You know what I'm saying? So every generation has its own challenges. And it's interesting to me, myself and I, if you look at two people who live one after the other, they're and on them this for now. Very interesting in this Parsha, uh, because since there's a tokocha in Vayikran, there's a tokocha in this Parsha, in Dvarim, this is always led people, and, and it can be broken up into pieces. So many of the different classical mafarshim do exactly that. They say this this is talking about Bayez and that one's talking about Bayez Sheni. If you want to see all kind of possible historical scenarios, I don't want to go through it, get the Nachshoni on this, uh, on this week's Parsha. And also back there on, um, you know, in Veigro. And you'll see, you know, is this is talking about the Maccabees, is talking about the Romans, is talking about the Babylonians, and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, and some are very ingenious in coming up with historical sources, you know, to try to explain, you know, what's going to, for example, Amandur Ramban says, that, you know, we sold as slaves back in Egypt or something. You know, Bader Chasher, Martin Chemlos, and and uh, he said that would be Ptolemy the first. In other words, in the beginning of Ba'is Rishon, time of Alexander the Great, Alexander died. There are a bunch of different wars that broke out among his generals who should take over what. And skipping through the many details, at one point, the general who took over Egypt and became the pharaoh, Ptolemy the first, attacked Jerusalem. Like I said, I'm skipping the details. And carried off 100,000 Jews as slaves back to Egypt. So, you thought that Mitzrayim was a one-time deal. You're wrong. It was a two-time deal. Uh, and according to Ramban, that's what this is talking about. How does Ramban know it? If you know, you don't even have to know Josephus. You know, you It's in there. You understand? So, I'm simply saying, that's a fairly obscure episode. And only someone with something of a classical education would come up with that. We'd be surprised, Sister Bomb. But nevertheless, uh, he chose to apply a Pusik to a specific historic incident, which is, is kind of incidental, and may be true, may not be true, you know, and who knows. By the way, what was the end of those 100,000 Jews? Uh, some of them, I'm sure, worked to death as slaves, but... A few years later, Ptolemy the first died, and his son Ptolemy the second freed them all, and they settled down in Egypt, and they did well, as we would say today. You know, they prospered in business. Those who did, until the Egyptian Jewish community became the richest in the world, with that big synagogue, as we all know, in Alexandria, that the Gemara talks about in Sukkah. So, I mean, there were were descendants of slaves. Why did he free them? And when I say he freed them, he bought them. You understand? He didn't do like Abraham Lincoln said, "Hereby declare you free." and I'm Mavato, the bilus of the odon. That's what Abraham Lincoln said. You know, we're not paying anybody, the Emancipation Proclamation, and then the Constitutional Amendment. We're just Mavato, the adnus. Um, That's one way of doing it, of course. There are other countries in which what they did was they bought them all off the masters, and that's what Ptolemy II did. You know, you got this Jewish slave working for you, I'll buy him for you. I'll pay more money than you pay for him. And the reason he did that was because he said, it's a waste of a good Jew <laughs> to have him work in the salt mines. Better to leave him alone, let him set up a grocery store. Next thing you know, he'll own a chain store. And before he's over, he'll, he'll be in charge of Amazon or Gluck Plumbing or something like that. And he'll make a better contribution to the economy, which is exactly what happened. So I'm simply giving that as an illustration of Ramban, of all people, using a particular specific historic incident to try to relate it to one of the obscure passages in the Torah all of which are very striking, but we don't know exactly what they apply to. So, if you go to the Abarbanel, then surprise, surprise, he's going to apply the Tokhan this week's partial particularly to the Moranos. In other words, in his time, he lived in the, the Abarbanel. If you don't notice, I did a, a long talk on him uh, two, three, four weeks ago, whatever it was, on my new YouTube series I finished on the court Jews in, in Spain, uh, the Chatzarim, as they called it. And the barbino would be the last of them, I suppose. And in addition to that, obviously, the barbino wrote the Pirish on the Torah that made him immortal. And uh, that means that he lived, I think, from 1435 to 1505, something like that. And uh, 1508, whatever. So he lived right through the horrors of the Spanish business. Uh, very quickly, the barbino was Portuguese, not Spanish. He lived the first day of his life in Portugal. But then, when, for certain reasons, he had to run away from Portugal. And he spent 10, 15 years in Spain until 1492 when the Jews were kicked out and he went with them. So he was there during the years of the rise of the Inquisition, the spread of the Inquisition, and the burning of people and stuff like that. And he sees, very famously, the Tochachon in, 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 um, in our parasha as applying to them in many ways. And one of the most striking is the following fact. In in Spain, um, 75% of Jews converted. In other words, we estimate about half approximate, approximately converted in 1391, and then of the remaining half, about half of them converted in 1492. Something like that. And that's a lot. So they converted in order to save themselves. But a lot of times they didn't save themselves. Listen closely. If you were Jewish, and you left Spain, let's say, for example, in 1492. It's true that it was a hard trip, and it wasn't pushing and a lot of people got killed along the way and stuff like that, but if you made it, for example, to Turkey or to Italy, so now you're done. The whole Inquisition and all that horror is behind you, and now you try go try to build a, a new life, the way my parents and maybe some of yours did after the Holocaust. You know, you came to America and all that trouble's over, and now you just work on building a new life. On the other hand, those who stayed behind and became Christians uh, were not really trusted by the Catholics uh, because, you know, do they mean it or not? And a lot of these people ended up getting burned by the Inquisition, rightly or wrongly. And so, de Barbinel says, I have said, a shishi goes through the different problems over here when it says in the Pussek. Uh, God will scatter you all over the place. And what will happen, No, you'll get kicked out of Israel, and you'll end up in places like Spain. This is very brilliant. Or I'll be more exact. It's It's a future. What does it mean you'll serve gods that nobody knew beforehand? Okay? Uh, now, Rosh and the others say, you won't serve their gods, you'll serve the, the people that worship those gods, those Goyim. But the government doesn't agree. Uh, listen to what I just said. 75% approximately of the Jews in Spain ended up becoming Catholics under the pressures of the Spanish persecutions and so forth. That's rove of the Klai Yisrael in that part of the world. So, what does it mean... You'll worship other gods that you didn't you and your fathers didn't know and what he says is this is a reference to Christian Christianity because it's a relatively new religion it doesn't say you'll worship the gods of Egypt or Baal or something like that because those gods were around in the time of Abraham you know that it was no nothing new it's not <speaking Spanish> not eight for heaven it's not true were familiar with those gods matter of fact, those are the ones that Almavina rejected. they didn't really change much from the time of Avram to the time of uh you know the Korban. so what does it mean that you'll be in a religion and he says it means Christianity because that's a brand new religion no one ever heard of it started when it started and as you know relatively late in history obviously around the year 1, 100, whatever, without getting into that, in the first century. So, uh, again, as part of the Gullit, you'll be scattered among all the nations. One end of the earth to the other. Well, Spain, (laughs) the time of the Barbenel, was the end of the earth. This is written uh, around the time of Discovery of America, but I've told you before, I've told you before, that uh, the first thing that Rabbi wrote when he was young was the Pirushon Dvarim. It it was lost somehow or other, and it was regained by him years later in Corfu. He saw it in a flea market. It was a very remarkable story. You know, his whole manuscript. Imagine he worked like that on a manuscript. It's not like they had. Uh, it's not like they had it on on the computer or <laughs> or in discs or things like that. It was just a physical manuscript. And then it got lost. And imagine what a bummer that was. And then a number of years later, when he ran away from Spain, he ran away from Italy, ended up in Corfu, he found it. And of course, he touched it up and re-edited it and so forth and then issued it as a book, But which is the cl- famous of Uh But at the time he originally wrote it, I think, uh, America had not been discovered. So if you look at the map, what is the I at Ketsei Arts? The Ketsei Arts is Spain. And Portugal. He actually lived in Portugal. Look at the map. Those are the countries on the Atlantic Ocean. That's the Ketsei Arzat Arz. And so to him, <speaking in> b'chol <Hebrew> And what will happen when you get to Portugal and Spain? <speaking in Hebrew> You'll end up becoming Catholic. Asher <speaking in Hebrew> lo which is a religion that is new. Neither you nor your father ever heard of this religion. Aids for Evan. So you'll ask me a question, but the Christian religion is not AIDS for Evan. So, Dr. boy okay, Boyer, you're wrong. It's not Eits for Evan in the sense that you worship the idol per se, although that's debatable. But rather, Roman Catholicism is characterized, especially in Spain, my goodness, and Portugal, with uh, heavy idolatry, so to speak, meaning... Physical statues and things like that of uh, Jesus and the saints, as he puts it over here, uh, doesn't mean you worship the people worship those idols. After they go into the Gullis, and they end up by the Roman, by by the Christians, she Many will leave the religion because of persecution. And he says it'll be a religion. And when the Jews went by Yisrishan, the gods that they worshipped in Babel, like Nebuchadnezzar's time, were old news to them. They knew that from Avramin, who originally was from Babel. On the Matoah, but now in our parsha, our current Haromim, our current Golas, and to the Barbinov, that means Christianity. And the actual Christian religion is post korban meaning it really emerges after the year seventy as a religion. The, faith, the belief in in Yashka and his disciples and his uh, you know representatives. These are the images which are omnipresent of Jesus, the saints, and the disciples, and all that stuff. Now, you and I, most of the people listening to this podcast, do not live in Catholic countries. That's interesting. And today it's different anyway, but in classical Catholic countries. Our ancestors did. Many of us. So, I say it because it's important. The Catholic religion... I mean, it's not a. not a... It, it, I don't blame them. This is everybody practicing their religion the way they are. One of the many differences between Catholic and Protestant is the attitude of, do you wear your religion on your sleeve? Do you flaunt it? How public is it? The Protestant tradition, especially... The English one is one of interiority. The Puritans, people like that, which is your religious beliefs should be in the heart, and so you don't go around with symbols so much. It smacks of idolatry. I mean, that's momish with Oliver Cromwell, you know, um, and images and parades and things of this nature is not is not done. Instead. You go to church and you take seriously your religious beliefs and you pray to God and talk to God, whatever you do over there. And that's how it goes. If it's a Catholic country, especially in the old days, Christmas was Christmas, baby. I mean, it's all over the place. Easter is Easter. This Saints Day and that Saints Day, I mean, they pray through the streets. They take all the uh, statues and the idols. and They march them around everywhere. They make a big deal out of them. There are bands and orchestras. And things of this nature, if you were Jewish and lived in a Catholic country, as so many did, certain days of the year you simply had to stay inside the house if you know it's good for you. And if you don't know that it's good for you, there were many cases where um, a Jew was watching a, a Catholic parade and either he did something suspicious or he made fun of them or something like that. And by the time it's over, he's charged with insulting or host desecration. And the whole Jewish community could get killed out. It happened many times. So, H for Evan is there. Um, we in America, USA, Canada, I, I presume. You don't see, if you live in a Jewish neighborhood, you don't see the other religious stuff. Um, me, I live now in what we call Park Heights here in Baltimore. It's mostly a Jewish neighborhood. There are no churches, maybe one. When I was growing up in my old neighborhood, there were a ton of churches, big ones too. But I never noticed them because when you grow up, you know, you kind of filter it out. But they're all over the place. Uh, and they are the Ashlukim shehem Okay? And he goes on to say that when these Jews convert, it's not going to bring them any minuk. But that there won't be any rest for them where the Prophet Cheskel says, that the Jews wanted to give up their religion and blend in in the time of uh, the Bayes Rishon, when the Bayes Rishon was destroyed, and Hashem says, I'll rule you with with, with poured-out wrath. In other words, Jew hatred, anti-Semitism. Which happened to 75% of Spanish Jewry over the course of a century. It won't bring him to peace. Right? Uh, the goyim still consider him Jew, Jews and will insult him. And they'll uh, think of all kind of lelas against them. In other words, the Inquisition ended up burning a lot of people who uh, unjustly. When I say unjustly, I mean the following: it's unjustly. Let's say I was in charge of Inquisition. And let's say I found a, a, a Catholic who was secretly practicing Judaism. All right. So according to the Sheet of Christianity, that's it Mesa. I get that. But what if you arrest somebody and end up killing them for practicing Judaism, and they didn't? So then you killed them unjustly. That happened a lot. If you know any, read Henry Lee and the other historians in Inquisition, it happened a lot. And so, There won't be any menucha because, simply because you converted. It won't help you. And he said this is all predicted by Bosh Okay? And they'll always suspect them of practicing Judaism. Even though they didn't. Which will now bring you um, terrible sakonas. And he says, I know families... That have converted to Christianity hundreds of years ago. says, me myself and I I know them, and they still are are, are suspected. There are people in Spain, he says, in Portugal, whose families have been Christian for three hundred years. That's a long time. Where I come from. The Guyum still suspects him of being Jewish. Even though the guy himself probably doesn't know he's Jewish. If I told you 300 years ago, that's your great, 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 grandfather. Who even knows what that is? The church knows. For Yisru from and they'll burn him, Kashir Sfarad, as happens all over Spain. And that's the idea about Gai Maheim, Loya and and so on and so forth. So it fits so well. Environment held. The second tocha, and particularly this part that I'm talking about, which is to be no menucha, no 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 uh, arrest from any of these persecutions. It'll actually get worse. That he was convinced that it applied to the people from his time, his generation. So therefore, he considered himself lucky. He left Spain and lost all his money, but he came to Italy and he could stay a Jew, and at least he could sleep at night. You see. Um, these guys he said they they remained in Spain they have their houses they have their fancy stuff and they're scared to death all the time that somebody should accuse them unjustly I say again unjustly and because this happened I mean I know what he's talking about you could have a guy let, let me give you one quick example there's a guy who like he said family been a, a Jewish a guy Christian for about a couple hundred years who the heck knows Anything about Judaism at that point. You're Catholic. Your father was raised Catholic. His father was raised Catholic. His father was raised Catholic for 300 years. Alpha became, the church kept a record on them. That's how you used to do it. And they know that way back when the guy was Jewish. Now let's say the guy, let's call him Pedro. So Pedro, now it's April. And Pedro happens to go to a restaurant. And he says to the waiter, you know, I'm going to order a steak and give me some bitter herbs on the side. Um, when it comes April, I love my bitter herbs on the steak. You know, it gives it a good taste. Oh boy, you know where I'm going with this. Since it's April, the church knows it's Passover time, Baruch. And they know one of the signs of being Jewish is you want bitter herbs. Moror. And next thing you know, the guy's arrested. He has no idea why. He doesn't. And they say, you want to confess now or you want us to torture you before you confess? And if he's smart, he'll say, get this the heck over with <laughs> just kill me now. And then they're burning him at the stake uh, or something like that. I'll also. Right? Because she taught him, he never did anything wrong. That's the curse of the tokoho. You should know. You, the, the Barbanel saying, the Yid. If you convert now, don't think your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren uh, will be spared. Uh, have it easy. Because it doesn't always work that way. At least in his time, he didn't see it that way. So it's actually very, very, um, very, very remarkable. Now, on the other hand, another way of looking at this, and I think this is a, a very interesting, is this Forno, because this Forno comes right after the Barbanello in the 1500s, and he lived in Renaissance Italy. And the Jews in Renaissance Italy um, were uh, precarious because. And they did live in communities, but always very small communities. And the guy could kick him out anytime they want. And the Jews always had trouble with the Pernossa In Jewish history, we always hear about... Um, how should I put it over here? We always hear about the rich Jew here or there who... Or to safe, or 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 bankroll something, or publish something, or something like that. And there were the share of richy riches, a few that I always talk about. But the Hamonam were not, and so the Hamonam of the Jews, how do you make a living? And it wasn't easy. And one of the big problems was that um, you couldn't get a job in most in most um, professions or uh, lines of work. Because you had the guilds, which were Christian institutions, and they wouldn't allow Jews in, for example, you know, there's a barber's guild and a butcher's guild and a shoemaker and a tailor and all. If you want any of these type of jobs, or a cooper or a hooper or a carpenter or bricklayer, anything, you had had to belong to a guild. Guild is a Catholic institution. They're not going to take you in. Right? They're not going to take you in. And so Parnassus was always a terrible curse on the Jews. you see? And it's very interesting this forno when it says over here, be called small do not depart Yaminu small now um, why not Yamin I mean if you, if you turn small you're less from Yamin means even more from, doesn't it? That's I usually think. And yet um, he says with frat in Hamishbat. Don't change the mitzvahs of God and pick up Gaisha uh, uh practices, especially when it comes to Mishpat. One of the notorious problems of the Jews in Renaissance Italy was Erkaos. And the reason is because they lived in those days like you and I do today in America, where you don't have to go to Basin, I mean, legally. In most of Jewish history, like where the Ramban lived or people like that, uh, even the Barbanel before 1492, if you were Jewish, you had to go to a Jewish court. And that was the Geisha law. The kings and the queens backed it up for various reasons. Matter of fact, in Spain, The kings and the queens even gave the Jewish courts for many centuries the power of Chai But Italy was always different. And in Italy, because that's the headquarters of the Catholic Church and they feel very uncomfortable with the Jews having any claim whatsoever to having their own uh, autonomy and independence So the shtickle malchus Yehuda left and, and the Jews instead of being totally degraded. So they never did allow... Uh, Bezdins to have uh, legal power over their uh, Jews. Isn't that interesting? So, it never was the case, mm, excuse me, in Italy that a Jew, if two Jews wanted to, they had to go to Bezdin. But on the contrary, if they wanted to, they could go to a Catholic court, to a Gaisha court. Only if you signed uh, a BORIM, if you signed an arbitration agreement, like in America were you legally obligated to listen to the basement? You understand? Which is why the Italian halacha books are full of borus type situations. They didn't have, you know, uh, the regular powerful botei din that you had in many other countries. And this foreigner lives, of course, in in, in Italy, and it bothers him, and he sees this as part of small especially when it comes to to justice meaning courts filia mira shar misses minhuggi hedyeo misses national and don't exchange from the word tumora lumira don't exchange the mistress for minhuggi or of and national lumada which you and I would call the geisha court system cuz what are they minhuggi hedyeo misses national lumada of koshigen kishiyasu le and especially when the Gaisha court systems don't necessarily operate on logic but out of uh, reverence for the past. See so means like the Justinian code or the Roman law. I mean, why should you listen to those things? The answer is, oh, the Romans are Kadmonium and all the rest. Of it. He said that's ridiculous. Right? Why is not you doing that? Um something, hug <in> him low <Hebrew> covering so look what he just said. This is the forno. Listen closely. Um, uh, 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 what he called? I don't have the passing in front of me. Small. Translate lo leches elohim achirim lo avdom. Now you know it's not elohim, right? You, you know that. So lo leches <laughs> elohim achirim lo So ordinary translation is to go after other gods and serve them. No elohim means a basement or a court, or a court like elohim lo Sikaleel, You know that kind of thing, right? Adu elohim yavi yavi So it's a chab. He says lo leches elohim achirim lo means to go after other courts to serve them, meaning to use them, when used the other courts, then that's the biggest bizarre and he says. dos a nech shoftim They consider themselves to be the judges, and we don't. So you hear over here, not what's going on in Spain, because he wasn't Spanish, but what's going on in Italy. He was Italian. In Italy, the problem was, we're always screaming, everybody, you have to go to Basin, you have to go to, you have to, go to Basin. And they did, to some degree, but plenty of them didn't. And there was nothing he could do about it. And so, when he gets up to give his speech on Shabbos, he says, <laughs> You get it? <laughs> Don't go after other courts. Um, in America, as you know, it's not a Dara Pashat at all. Here, the circumstances are unique. I won't go into that right now. I'm simply trying to show you that um, the classic Mafarshim We'll do it that way now. If somebody was writing something on the basis today of what's going on in America, it'd be interesting how we'd interpret the different psukim and the tokaha. You know, uh, for example, we would say, Lo sosor, yamina mean the small, yo mean means for the conservative, and the small means for the other ones. Don't follow Trump, don't follow Biden. You know, that would be, be that modern interpretation. That's not what it means in the old days. No, come mean the small, that the meaning of right and left is. As conservative or liberal, or is is a political term from the French Revolution, but uh, on the other hand, I'm sure some rab, some smart uh, person will say it in a clever way. There's a famous story that's attributed to many people. You know, I heard the the the, the, the Sofer and others say you know, Mannheimer, that uh, it's not clear that in the Austrian Parliament. I don't know if this is a true story or not. It's like just a good story. In the Austrian parliament in the 19th century under Franz Josef, uh, let's say it was Shimon Sofer, to the Krakow, and he was elected to the Austrian parliament in the 1870s. And he, he um, sat on the left, which means with the liberals. And the story is the Kaiser said, why is a rabbi, an Orthodox rabbi, sitting with the left? And he said, because the Jews have no rights. It's a play on words. It didn't happen. I don't, I don't believe it happened. But it's a it's a good shtick, you know. Um, I'm simply saying that someone would then use the Parsha trying to bring in the contemporary terms. Uh, but the Abarbanel thing is striking because we're living in a time where there are many people who have Jewish roots, um, more and more, uh, but they don't know exactly what they are. Believe you me, the enemies of the Jews know. And these Nazi-type groups and the others, they keep the records. And uh I hope they you know they should never get any power or something like that. They'll go after people, uh, you know, the same way the Spanish Inquisition did, because that's what Hitler did in nineteen thirty-three. The first thing the Nazi Party did when he took over was go to all the churches and confiscate the birth records and the baptism records, which had all the old Jewish names in it. So um, it's a it's 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 a food for thought. Ooh, I went very late over here. Okay, once again, I want to thank. Our friends at girl Clemich to sponsoring this, and um, <laughs> he's always had the challenge after something original, but I don't think I ever did this one before. Anyway, with that, I wish you all a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.